Namo tassa bhakavato arahato tamma sambutassa namo tassa bhakavato arahato tamma sambutassa namo tassa bhakavato arahato tamma sambutassa bhutang tammang sankhang namasami this is the second uh, day completed and you can just observe what the result is so far not as a to criticize or see anything wrong but just observe the way the way it is the result of say, 48 hours of living under the eight precepts, three refuges, uh, noble silence, practicing meditation in this way. Many of you probably come from different places, um, maybe from different experiences, different teachers, techniques or traditions of meditation. And so when you when you have this uh, say from this experience here you can you can see your mind comparing it maybe with previous meditation retreats or with other traditions or teachers to see that as a thing the mind will will do because what in the flow of our lives it's where you know life is in the kind of conscious experience of life it's an ongoing kind of flowing experience and we tend to um, not realize that and so we compare and we we remember things from the past or we project into the future our minds are tend to regard this illusion of time as being um, we give it a lot of importance in our lives the past and the future but the main thing is is to be able to see the the kind of uh, reactions you do have to restraint, to silence, to uh, the uh, just the weather, the the situation you're in, the people around, just to observe uh, the what you're feeling, what things bring up, what comes up in your mind, just to notice to. We're training uh, ourselves very much in this way of, of, of being a witness and an, one who watches and observes rather than someone who's trying to achieve and attain. The silent watcher, the listener, the witness, the observer, the one who knows, these are the words uh, that I find you know, helpful to remind me of the position and attitude uh, 
that that helps to uh, be able to get the perspective on what on the feeling that one is having. You can ask yourself questions, like if you're feeling confused or unsure or bewildered, you can say, what does it feel like? Ask yourself, what does it feel like to be confused? And then just observe. That with a, just asking yourself a question like that, you begin to just observe the sense of, of not being sure or not knowing what what to do next or what's going on, that sense of confusion, unsurety, insecurity uh, is you begin to see it as an object in your mind. Where if we don't do this, then we we tend to resist or react to this feeling of confusion, insecurity. We don't like to be confused, we don't want it. We want to be sure, want to be certain. And uh, being confused is uh, something that we, we can regard as a personal flaw or something, a kind of weakness we have or we shouldn't be this way. We, we know, but in, in Vipassana meditation, you're, you are just noticing the way it is rather than than judging the way it is. Judgment implies always that if, if, it, if the way it is right now isn't very good, then it should, uh, is, is confusing or unsure or uncertain, then you should be certain. You should not be confused. It shouldn't be the way it is. It should be some other way. But in the, the reflection on the way it is, we, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, what the way it is, uh, good, bad, pleasant or painful, that there's the knower that it's this way and it's, and it's, and we're observing it in this, in its characteristic of impermanence, of anicca. So this anicca, impermanence, is like a, it's called a characteristic in which we can, uh, which applies to every condition that you, from the body to the universal system to a, to a flicker in, in consciousness, from subtle to coarse to grand to minute. Everything, all conditions are impermanent. So impermanence helps us to say that just that one characteristic, because it applies to all conditions, then it it helps us to look at them in, in, in a way that isn't, uh, we're not judging it or, or making or, or reacting to it. We can we begin to see it as something that is changing rather than, than assuming that it's something we shouldn't be feeling or something we, we, uh, we think we're, we're going to have forever. When you're feeling despair or depressed, and that when and you you assume that you're when when you're really depressed, it looks like you're going to be depressed forever. 
It has a kind of eternalist feeling to it. When you're really depressed and down, you, you can't conceive of ever being happy again. Life is just terribly miserable and, 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 when, and, and you can't imagine it ever being, uh, ever being happy and joyful ever again. Because depression has that, it, it, uh, a, a hope uh, and uh, hope and uh, recognition that, in, that this is only temporary means that you wouldn't be depressed anymore. Depression is a sense of, of kind of permanency and eternality. So, when we remind ourselves that even misery, all forms of misery and that are impermanent, it's a way of, of kind of getting, getting out of the power of, of that perception and putting it in a context that is true, not painting a, a it's not kind of whitewashing over something dirty or, or pretending or rejecting anything, it's merely recognizing that this is the way it is. And if the way it is is, is miserable, that's it, also misery is impermanent. And so it, in this way, we, we can uh, begin to look, have the confidence of witnessing the way things are, the way it is. With regard to feeling, we have in the meditation, we have what we call the four foundations of mindfulness. The body is the, is the first foundation. So that's why the physical body is something to, to objectify, to observe it as an object rather than assume that it is yourself. There's the posture, isn't it? The sitting, standing, walking, lying down, the breathing, the, the, these are uh, you're observing the body as it's sitting, it's like this, standing, walking, lying down, breathing. It feels hot or cold. It feels pleasure or pain or neutral. The body is something that you can, you can uh, it's a coarse formation, it's something that that you uh, can always observe because it's always with you wherever you are, whatever posture you're in, no matter how you're feeling. Uh, it's it's always this is this this body is something to to value and to refer to in Gayanupasana, Gayanupasana Satipatthana, the foundation of mindfulness around the body. <clears throat> in the Vedana Nupasana Satipatthana is on feeling. And with feeling, Vedana, it's uh, important to, to recognize that this is, a, to, to keep this in a simple, uh, as a simple reflection of attraction, aversion and neutral feeling. Uh, just to see Vedana as, the, as what it's like to be attracted to something. If you see something, 
say with your eyes in something beautiful and you you feel this pull attraction to it and you're aware of that of the power of of something of visual beauty how it attracts you you can observe witness this sense of being attracted being pulled towards something or something ugly and disgusting your sense of being repelled you can witness that or reflect on it or neutral neither pleasant or pain neither attractive nor repulsive so that the uh, the this you're observing just these two extremes that we tend to uh, um, be very much addicted to to seek beauty and pleasure to have to go towards what is attractive what is pleasing and trying to get away from what is painful and ugly neutral vedana is generally never noticed so that's why we we use neutral vedana as a, we we emphasize this neutral sense of neutral vedana just on sight alone when you see when you look around say and you see the um, what you see is is you you can see different people sitting here men and women be attracted and repelled to these to the people here to the uh, to the room itself to the shrine to to the things what is the most neutral in this room what is the most neutral object of sight is the space isn't it the space in this room is the most obvious i mean is 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 what the room is all about you want space and yet it's so neutral that that you don't notice unless i point it out and if you contemplate the space in the room it's it's neither attractive nor repulsive isn't it you don't feel attracted to it nor repelled by it and so just on the on visual consciousness so you you're noting that as to what what neutral what neutrality is and what attraction and repulsion most of the objects of people we have various we can feel various levels of being interested or not or attracted or repelled or what they stimulate various uh, emotions or or reactions but space doesn't doesn't it? it's just neutral silence try to when you're when you're quiet listen to what we call the sound of silence a kind of ringing sound the background sound a, a kind of high pitch ringing sound as you listen to that we don't usually notice it unless we unless you uh, unless i bring your attention to it because we're used to we're not used to uh, we're not we're, it's something that that generally goes unnoticed by most people it's it's uh, rejected or even not considered uh not even rejected because it's not even noticed until somebody points it out when we're used to sound like somebody's voice or movement or uh chanting pleasant or 
unpleasant sounds, but neutral silence is uh, something we point out, and then you begin to to note it, to listen to this to the sound of silence. <coughs> Now the sound of silence is neither attractive nor repulsive. It's not, it's not like music that, that you feel uh, if you, that excites or stimulates you, nor is it cacophonous or something that, that makes you want to run away from it. So it's, it's neutral, just emphasizing this through the sensory experiences of, of sight and sound which are very strong, important sense experiences for human beings. So establishing mindfulness around neutral, non-exciting, rather bland uh, objects helps us to, to get perspective because usually, say, the, the unenlightened, unawakened human being is never aware of that side of life, is it? We, we tend to always be going to, we're always looking for something interesting. We're always looking for excitement or for some kind of distraction, some absorbing situation uh, that will, will that say, if we say that the, the, hedonist, the hedonistic person is always looking for the next high, getting high, getting excited. Interesting things to do, fun experiences, good times, and we dread, don't we? Being stuck in some place where we're just bored and nothing to do, nobody interesting, everybody a a, a bore, uh, cold weather, and and being damp and hungry and and uh, unloved and and uh, everything being unpleasant or painful or hideous or horrifying, we, we want to avoid that and hope to get all the, the other, the, the other extreme. So now say with mindfulness we're, 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 we're looking, we're recognizing neutrality, neither pleasant nor painful, neither attractive nor repulsive. Not that that's what you should be, uh, that's what you should be absorbed into, but it is something to notice. You have to be aware of it. You have to make an effort. You have to awaken your mind to, to notice neutrality. I used to do practices like looking at the spaces between people rather than at people, at individuals. I'd make a special note of just the, the spaces between people rather than giving the people so much importance. It's usually the other way. We, we don't notice the space between people, but we notice this person, that person. We go from one person to the next. We're of, of a, Developing a, a, a upaya in which you're just looking at the the spaces between people. Space between people has no; it is not attractive or repulsive. 
It's not male or female, not young or old. It's just space. And space doesn't, uh, does, does it just uh, an impression, say, in consciousness, is, is neutral. One doesn't get high or low or anything on it. It's just kind of balanced and neither one extreme nor the other. So these are like skillful means one, one can, uh, can practice with. Or say in, in thought, thinking itself is, is uh, something like we call it conceptual proliferation or papancha, just the kind of the way the mind goes on into kind of wandering associations when one, one thought stimulates another. So you start, you play these games where somebody uh, says, says something and then somebody else, next person associates something else with that and, and it goes around the room till time it gets back to the person started. The, it's totally un, unconnected to the original uh, subject because the, this, uh, this, the association of what I associate something with can be very different than what you associate it with. So when we just are caught in, in uh, just the proliferating tendencies of the mind and uh, we, we don't notice, to say, the spaces between thoughts. We just go from one thought to the next. To notice the, spaces be, the space between thought is like to deliberately think something. Like, I am a human being and you're aware of you're, you're, you're aware of before you, th- you, before you think this, because you're deliberately thinking this. Note that before. Before I, it's, it's just no thought, there's no word. I, then there's nothing, there's a space. Am, another space after am. And between am and a, there's a space. And after a, and you can you're noting the spaces or the the that that the space or the interstices between the words you're thinking so this this will say help you to like you're getting perspective on the conditions on the extremities of the conditioned realm you're relating it to to that which is neither one extreme nor the other, or that which uh, helps to to where the where the conditions arise and cease. Noticing non-thought, rather than than uh, because we thought is something we we we're used to thinking. It's habitual. It's uh, it can be obsessive. But non-thought is, is not usually noticed or recognized. Same applies to like uh, emotions like anger. So that say anger is, is uh, when, when ang- if you're feeling angry at somebody, then 
then notice your mind when, when, it, when there's no anger. No anger is like this. Right now there's no anger and I'm not feeling angry at all. It's this way. Non-anger is like this. It's a reflection on, on, on the mind, my mind. I'm doing it right now. Can't find any anger in it. Right now there's not, not even a touch of it. Non-anger is like this, non-greed. And so the, 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 this way of, of using our conscious experience to, to see the absence of things rather than, than this uh, tendency to always try to create, put something in, uh, hold on to something, go from one thing to the next, go from this to that, listen to music, look at a book, Watch the television, light some incense, uh, and uh, eat some food, and smoke a cigarette, and have a drink, call your friend on the telephone, read a book, go to sleep, anything, take some drugs, get high, get, take some, some hallucinogenics, get high on drugs, or get drunk. Or go for a ride, go to an amusement park, go jogging, do something. Don't just sit there and be neutral in silence watching space. I think you <laughs> think you're crazy, wouldn't they? You say, I'm just listening to silence, looking at space. <laughs> with the body, uh, with noticing neutral feeling in the body, it's the, the, the touch of one hand on the next, or the, the sleeve of your shirt touching your skin, neither pleasant nor painful, or the, your upper lip touching your lower lip, or the, you know, before, the, before there's any feeling of physical pleasure or pain, just neutral, neutral impingement on the body, of things that touch it and yet are not in any way a, a pleasurable enough to, to be conscious of it, unless you, 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 you bring it into your consciousness or not, not unpleasant enough to be painful to where you, you, you're conscious of it. So this is a way of, of investigating the, this realm of sensitivity that we live in, and of, but of putting it in a, in a, in a perspective of, of the way it is, say, before, before extremes, the way to now between the points between pleasure, attraction, and, and repulsion, pleasure and pain. Because that's what we don't notice in our lives. We don't, it's not something that, that we're educated or conditioned or encouraged to do. Even though it's, it's very much affecting us all the time, we, we're not aware of it. And we're something that is never considered worthwhile to, to even mention.
And yet it makes all the difference because once you begin to to realize that it it helps you to to uh, say let go uh, and stop just running around caught in the momentum of habits and react emotional reactions and kind of helpless victims of the way you've been conditioned by life. For example, now just say listen. Just close your eyes and just just listen. What do you hear? It's that just listening, not trying to listen for anything, but just what comes into the into consciousness through through the ears, organs of the ears. You can hear the rustle of somebody moving. I can hear the sound of silence. Try to, for those of you that can't hear that, don't worry about it. Just, I'm, I'm making the suggestion because after a while you begin to, becomes quite, uh, quite noticeable. Like a kind of high pitch uh, background sound. That, that state of just bare listening, just listening, uh, attentive listening, the, 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 uh, this organ of the ear, the fact that we, we, you can listen in the dark, you can listen in the, in the light, you can listen to silence or you can listen to sound. So, so the, the uh, sense of, of listening, of, of sound and silence is something that is with us wherever we are. Something that we can, with our eyes shut, we still we still can listen. And if we want silence, say we can on meditation retreats, we can get very angry when somebody starts making noises, and we want silence. And have you been on meditation retreat where somebody uh, there's somebody making a lot of noise, and you? can't meditate the person's making too much noise in Barrie, Massachusetts I remember uh, when I was there there was a meditation center in Barrie, Massachusetts where they forbid people to wear nylon uh, nylon clothes because they rustle In a silent meditation hall, you know, somebody is wearing some nylon jacket and, and they move and then make some rustling sound. And in, and in a meditation hall where, every, where everybody wants silence, what would go unnoticed becomes magnified like a loudspeaker. So, so just one little rustle of your you know, moving from one one side to the next, or uh, just clearing your throat, because you know, reverberates through the whole hall. Some people are very greedy for for silence, 
And I know because I like silence myself. And I've been through the aversion to people that that make noises. So then I think, I contemplate, well, you know, that is um, this aversion to, to disruption is because I want, I want silence. And so the suffering is not really the noise, is it? It's my wanting, not wanting the noise, wanting silence. Wanting something that, uh, wanting, say, something I don't have, or not wanting the noise that's present, is dukkha. And we reflect on the noble truth again. And we apply it to, I mean, just some, some uh, uh, ordinary situation, say, in a meditation retreat. Now, like anything in, in our human experience, when we, when we see things in perspective, that, it's like you're, you're, you're seeing how things relate to each other through, because they're in a perspective. You're not just reacting to this and then to that and then to this and then to that. Because that, that is, say, when we're, when we're not mindful and, and we're just caught up in, in, in habits, that's what happens, isn't it? We, we lose perspective. Something very trivial becomes uh, exaggerated. It's out, of, it's out of perspective. Something that isn't a problem becomes a terrible problem. Something that, that is uh, just a part of, of our human karma becomes a, a terrible uh, curse on, human, on humanity. Uh, one can 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 be so overwhelmed by by some rel- uh, trivial experience, just because I don't want it or it shouldn't be like this, and we we we've lost the persp- perspective on on life as as an experience, because we can get so fixated on what I want and what I think should be and what shouldn't be. That of course we we're, we're set up then for a life of misery and suffering because life is not going to be what we want, is it? The world isn't going to conform to our ideas. Other people aren't going to be uh, living their lives just so that we're happy and, and feel safe and content and secure. We always have to to live in in, in this world with its ups and downs, it's changing conditions, it's uh, contingencies, unexpected occurrences, it's surprises. Like this year, isn't it? Just think of the, the uh, Hurricane Andrew, what that must have been to people on holiday in Florida. You know, it'd be nice over here in England. Think, wouldn't it be nice to have a holiday in Florida in the month of August? Save up our money. We go over to Miami, get caught in a hurricane. It's not fair, is it? <laughs> Life shouldn't be like that.
perspective then is, is the relationship of conditioned to the unconditioned, to form and its relationship to space, to sound and silence, to, to, the, to neutral feeling, to anger and, and non-anger, to greed and non-greed, to delusion and non-delusion, to grasping and non-grasping. Uh, these are the. This, uh, then we then we have perspective. We have, we we have we see where things end, where conditions cease, where where uh, the condition is no longer the thing that we are giving. We're, we're empowering and giving every all our uh, giving the importance, the significance, because we see it as it relates to to its absence. To the cessation of something, to the to the space between the word, to the space between people, to the silence rather than to the sound. Uh, when we when we reflect in this way, then everything then our experience of sensitivity is isn't. We're not just uh, helplessly caught in in being sensitive to things and frightened by them and and uh, overwhelmed by the conditioned uh, experiences because we we can always relate it to its to its cessation or its absence and so this is this is what we like in cultivation of or pawana we call it pawana cultivation or development of this way of wisdom uh, we we're, we're bringing into our conscious experience because Consciousness is is what we 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 have to we are, we're with from now till we die. Consciousness is this way, and we then bringing into consciousness this the condition and the unconditioned, or the sound and the silence. The 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 sound of silence. Or this, or the space that we see in the room, or the things in the room, and and their and their relationship to the space. To the emotions we have, and their and their cessation when when there's anger, and then when it ceases, we note, we notice. Uh, people very common for people to say. How can I get rid of anger? I want. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to get angry. And uh, because we uh, we we're frightened of our anger, isn't it? I'm frightened of my anger. When I feel anger, I can be pretty fierce, frightening character, can't I? <laughs> I frighten myself. <laughs> I'm not such a nice guy when I'm angry. Anger is, uh, you know, it brings up, you know, if one gets lost in it, it uh, really, you know, you can, you can almost do anything. Depends on how angry you are and how, how absorbed into it. Some people, I noticed, like when I was in the Navy years ago, I noticed some men, uh, could, when they got angry, 
they lost all control. They didn't even have a measure of, of they, comp they, they even go, they go for the kill. It's like any sense of, of proportion or limit is completely lost. I noticed that in, in, with certain men in, the, in, the, in, my, in my naval experience. That uh, I always had a measure of, of mindfulness, even when I was angry. There was always something that knew the limits and not to go too far. Uh, something, something there that would kind of warn me to stop or get away, you know, not carry this too far. Uh, and and but, but with others, I'm, with some other men, I know types of men. I've noticed that they they didn't they didn't have that. They could, once they got into that mode, they just they could could not even there was no nothing, no there was no warning signs in it. But uh, in this this uh, sense of of warning, you know, is something that's like hiriotapa, a sense of shame, knowing the results of 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 bad actions, like if if of killing somebody. If you if you've already if you've already uh, contemplated the the possibility of of killing, I remember having a dream. Some used to have dreams when I was young, where I where I'd kill somebody in the dream, and then then I'd have this feeling of the rest of my life I'm a murderer. I've been marked by this one act, this one thing I've done. I've killed somebody, and for the rest of my life, I am a murderer. Wherever I go, I'll always be a murderer. You're stained by that one act. My life is ruined. And then you wake up. And you think, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> it's only a dream. <laughs> I had a dream once that I disrobed. I woke up and I thought, oh. Thank goodness. <laughs> so we we know there's the you know that that warning sign that that says it be careful or that's always to be respected. But in say the the ordinariness of our lives, we, when when life isn't caught up in say extreme passions, like wanting to kill or do something of an extreme uh, uh, nature, our lives can drift into just a kind of bland uh, dreariness, uh, mediocrity, uh, just a, a kind of heedless, restless moving from this to that. I mean, modern life is very much that, isn't it? I think we find uh, quite unpleasant to be living in kind of like middle class, or affluence, or the sense of living in in a country. We walk over to Berkhamsted on Bindabad. We go beautiful golf course, across this beautiful Berkhamsted golf course. These old men out there with their partying golf balls around, and I think when you retire, that's what you're going to do with your life. It's Walking around, hitting little golf balls with a club. <laughs> Something. 
something to do, exercise and all the rest. Uh, comfortable life. It's, uh, in uh, the Japanese, they, they are spending enormous amounts of money in Thailand and in California and buying up golf courses or establishing golf courses. As human beings, we, we tend to, you know, these kind of things are ways of distracting our minds, entertaining ourselves, doing something. Remember, living in, away from, uh, before I went home to see my parents, I was away for 13 years, went off in 1963, and finally came back to see my parents in 19... 76. And that was because uh, my mother was very ill at the time. So came back as a monk and, and of course 13 years had passed since I saw my parents and they were 13 years older. And then my, they'd retired and were living in Southern California and I just saw them as kind of putting in time till death. My mother was embroidering little tea towels and my father was making hooked rugs and and growing tomatoes. Things like this. Just, and then one got the feeling that they were just kind of puttering around until they died. And so then life was... Uh, and, and then they, they'd watch the television and they'd, they had kind of the same old kind of conversations of this and that over and over again. As you get older, your mind uh, it usually gets stuck in, in memories and sentiments and uh, nostalgic uh, uh, memories or complaints. My father was a great complainer about the people next door or the service in the supermarket or it's always something <laughs> to to kind of get indignant about or complain about in the society. So that the, the sense of say putting that in a perspective was not there, was not a part of my parents uh, uh, education or or, or even religious experience. So modern life can I find it I find it very depressing when I think of it. I've, I've always from from uh, a young age uh, determined I wasn't going to live the life my parents wanted me to live. I couldn't bear it. I just couldn't face up to to living, a, being in the white middle class of the west coast of the United States. The most horrendous possibility it was what I was expected to conform to and live up to. To me, it was was dreary and boring. meaningless, purposeless life. Mm. Well, religious life to me is always a, like a challenge because you're, you're always having to, to, to look deeper and to investigate and to, 
to watch closely and, and learn from from you know from the way uh, from what you're experiencing from the from the way things are and that's, I think that's one of the why so many uh, Western people now are attracted to Buddhism because it's certainly a, a, a teaching that encourages that kind of mental uh, cultivation. It's interesting to see like the when I was before I ordained, I lived a, I tried to live a, a fairly interesting life. So I traveled a lot and was always, you know, busy doing things and 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 then I'd get bored very quickly. I found I was getting increasingly bored with life. The more excitement, the more traveling, the more interesting uh, the more I needed to be interested and stimulated, the more the more quickly I was bored by everything. So by the time I arrived in Bangkok in 1966, I was really bored. And Bangkok is a fairly exciting place, <laughs> but I felt pretty bored because excitement was was had become boring for me. So then. I started meditating at a temple in Bangkok, and and uh, of course that was uh, that was the most boring thing I'd ever done. <laughs> I, watching the breath, what could be more boring than that? And uh, but then it was through that 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 willingness to be bored that I got out of the boredom because boredom is a is an aversion to 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 the way it is isn't it to want something that, that stimulates and holds your attention and excites and and uh, interests you and 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 conditions do that i mean they they can only but they can only do that for a while and then they can't do it anymore the most exciting thing becomes boring the most interesting person, if you're with them too long, become, you become bored with them. The most uh, kind of beautiful scene, uh, beautiful scenery, after a while you get bored with it. If, you, if your mind is just conditioned to seek the, the kind of peaks of experience and excitement and, and interest. So in reflecting on it, then you begin to see boredom is is aversion to, to, to the conditions and to the experience of life in which you, you're no longer interested or absorbed or, or uh, caught up uh, in the, the, uh, some kind of uh, condition experience. What is more boring than space or silence? Say if, we're, if, we're, if we like things and, and sounds, then space and silence are, are uh, you know, something that we would, would find boring. But when we intend our minds towards reflecting and noticing this, then instead of feeling bored, even though boredom will come up, we're, we're, we're no longer 
the boredom is, is in a perspective in our mind. We're seeing it as what arises ceases. And so we can, we're, we're allowing this boredom to, to be consciously accepted and let it cease. And then we see non-boredom, which doesn't mean we're interested in anything. It means the mind is no longer negative, caught in some aversion to the way things are in the present. The mind is peaceful, calm, receptive, clear, which is not boring, which is neither boring nor interesting. It's just that. Now our life, in the in the, the the recognize that in this realm of birth, being born in a body, human body consciousness, living uh, uh, in a sensitive state on planet Earth is this way. So, so we we're we're always relating. We're, we the, the the relationship is from the condition to the unconditioned, from the form to space, from the sound to the silence. And through recognizing this, through meditating on this relationship of how they, the condition ceases and the unconditioned or the anger uh, comes and goes and then there's non-anger, uh, just grasping, there's grasping of things and then non-grasping. Uh, just by reflecting and noting that more and more, you're you're aware of the flow of your life. Your conscious experience then is is more connected. It's more continuously connected. You're you be mindful in a more continuous way, rather than just caught in the kind of jerking motions of going from this to that and from this meditation retreat and and then waiting for the next one to develop mindfulness. You're 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 opening the mind to its its full force of conscious flow, where the where you're you're not no longer just picking, choosing, selecting, rejecting, defending, protecting uh, everything, and 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 just caught in the habits, boring old habits that get increasingly more boring and and meaningless as you get older. Because this way you're 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 allowing that to the, the the tendency to be habituated you're 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 seeing the absence of uh, of of habit you can see habits habit patterns and their and the absence of them so in conscious the the flow of consciousness that you have in, in the human form from birth to death then is is one of say mindfulness and wisdom and co- and clear comprehension of Dhamma or the way things are within the restrictions, limitations of our human state, which is perfect ground for enlightenment, the Bodhi Mandala, the place to be for enlightenment, for seeing things as they are, as in the, the human, the human birth. This is a reflective talk this evening to, to just to call attention to to this to this relationship of the condition to the unconditioned. And and spend the say this evening, rest of the evening just say listening. Just 
just observing yourself listening to sound. Just like a, listening, just bare attentive listening, not not trying to find anything or concentrate on any sound in particular, but just listening, opening like your ears to whatever whatever sounds happen to uh, impinge on on your ears. Just to note, be the 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 knowing, the listen, be the listener, and see if you can can detect or hear the the sound of silence. 